to Expounded Universe, Season 13, Episode 9, Hootkins and the Blowfish. The book, Mall Lockdown. The year, 2014. Chapters 32 through 36. With your hosts, Jeff and John. Let's go! Hello and welcome to Expounded Universe. I'm your host, Jeff, joined as always by John. John, how are you? I am doing all right. Good. Glad to hear it. I made the mistake of driving Sage around for her nap today, even though it was pouring in San Diego, and my car just would not stop hydroplaning. It was terrifying. Oof. Yeah. And it took, and unfortunately, it wasn't a day where she went down in like, you know, a minute or two. She just kept fighting. Fighting. So. So that was uh that was my mo- that was my day. Scary but satisfying. Also I let her go outside in the rain at one point and she just picked a spot where you know how when it rains like the eaves of your house turn into like drip funnels. Yeah. I like could not get her loose from one of those spots. <laughs> she was like I need to stand in the most rain that I possibly can. Uh <laughs> It's like water's coming down, but this is the most water coming down. So this is obviously the optimal place to stand for water coming down. I get it because, you know, it's a rare chance for her to to stand out in rain and she wants to maximize her opportunities. But dang, poor kid. Yeah, I mean, it's not often you get the sky water, so you really got to get as much as you can. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, on to Star Wars, huh? I mean, I guess... We can keep shooting the breeze if you want. I don't care. I mean, this was, man, quite the minimum amount of bullshit going into an episode for us. Oh, it's true. It's a short set. It's, uh, we've been doing a five chapter, four chapter, five chapter structure, and this is a five chapter episode. And even with that detail, it's still very little going on here. Yeah. I mean, we're. It's a lot of connective tissue. We're in, you know, the middle of the book at this point, and so now it's it's just a lot of, like, connective tissue, <laughs> so it's just like, yes, and then also, did you know that this thing is here, and that these people are over here, and you're like, cool, great, I know you have to set things up before they can happen, but, uh, you know, for this format, it's definitely one where you're like, oh, we hit five in a row, where not really a whole lot happens. Yeah, I mean, at least we have, uh, there's a couple of interesting things here. We get we get a, a new character reveal and and some other, a couple of new characters, although only one of them was really exciting. Um, but who knows? Uh, yeah, you're right, though. It's, it's a short set of chapters. There's no fight here, which is always a disappointment. Like when you're reading, this is the book where, where Darth Maul gets in a lot of arena fights, and I keep hoping he'll get into one. And so far, there's been three, and that's not bad, but this is definitely a point where we could have seen another one. <laughs> it would have been neat. If nothing else, because the Aqualish fight was actually kind of boring. I mean, yeah, it was in water, but that was the only thing it had going for it, really. I liked the Aqualish fight. You did? Yeah, fuck you. Yeah. So far, the <laughs> Yuzhan Vong one has been my favorite, because it's just ludicrously over... It's like watching someone play Exalted, where he's like using his own blood as a slip and slide to get behind it. <laughs> No way, man. He that used was his pr- own blood for acid. Acid for blood. 
Yeah, you're right. He did also use his own blood to make acid with that one. He really has a lot of usage for his own blood. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to use what you got. Absolutely. So, uh, in, in this set of chapters, we we uh, join Darth Maul, having recently been blown up. I mean, I assumed that when it said there was a black and red explosion that went off in front of his eyeballs in the last chapter, what that actually meant is he was tased and he just had, like, an explosion of color in his eyes as he, you know, got passed out. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, it, it, that makes a lot of sense, that he just recently got darted and that he's trying to deal with it. Uh, I, I appreciate the black and red explosion because, you know, he's black and red. So to me, when I first saw that, I was like, oh, interesting. Maybe he's seeing his own body or something. Uh, but no, it's just that he got darted. Yeah, I mean, he wakes up and, you know, it's not like there's any trauma. So clearly it was just, you know, tased or darted or whatever. And... They've got him in, like, a very weird interrogation thing at the start, because he's got a bunch of, like, the huge floodlight interrogation light thing so that you can't see anything past wherever the lights are, and Mm -hmm. he's all hung upside down, spread eagle, and they're just ready to go to town on him. Definitely got him on a stretching rack kind of thing. Like, right now, he's basically strapped to a St. Andrew's cross, and they haven't even told him the safe word yet. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just that, but without the actual cross. He is just tied by cables up and out. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> at this point, when he wakes up, he immediately starts hearing muttering and groaning and moaning from one side, uh, and he's trying to figure out what that is when someone says, like, Ah, ever since he lost the leg, blood poisoning has taken him and rattled his mind. And weirdly, it takes another half a page or so before Darth Maul goes, oh, wait, I recognize his voice. That's Artigan. Oh, yeah. Well, there are so many people that have lost their legs and are still around in this prison that it's hard to keep track of them all. Yeah, I was like, this is a weird misstep for Darth Maul right here, where the moment he heard, literally, he should have known it off the voice. He should have been like, look, uh, my job is rigorous management and control of my surroundings at all times. So I hear some guy moaning, and I've heard him moan before when his leg got blown off, so I know who he is. But the moment they mentioned leg blown off, it should have finished the job for him. I mean, honestly, even before they got to that, someone was like, where's the old man? And immediately when they said, where's the old man, I was like, oh, you mean Artigan? Because he's the only real old man I can think of in this. Yeah, I was, with the old man one, I thought it might be a thing that, that that's what they call Iram Radik because they are not allowed to say his own name. I guess, maybe. But no, yeah, but right away, instead, it was like, uh, it was, no, it's it's Artigan. It's obviously Artigan. He's just also in the room. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, just like Artigan, Artigan was being uh, questioned before, now Zero is questioning Maul. Uh-huh. Not really questioning him so much as just explaining what's about to happen. Uh, I don't know if he actually has any questions for him at all. It's pretty much just, hey, you heard about, you You heard Iram Radik's name, so we gotta kill you. Hey man, you really shouldn't have killed Rook. That was, that was bad. Yeah, it's gonna take a bunch of cleanup work to explain that. He's not supposed to have been fighting. This is a whole thing. You've caused us a lot of problems. Yeah, Mr. Radik was paying a lot so that Rook didn't get matched. Also, you made this Nelvanian hack into our system, which was 
bad, so we had to murder him in a ridiculous way. Yeah, uh, and that's kind of amusing, too, is when he, he he basically has the big shock reveal of, plus we had to murder Ismash, the Nelvanian you've been using, and he hoists him up by his limp body, and they've gouged out his eyes and stuffed circuit boards in there, you know, to really make the point, like, this guy did hacking. Oh, yeah. You'd think they'd just put him up on a cross with a little sign that says, like, Slicer on it. Yeah. Or they just slice him up real good. Because, you know, in, in uh, Star Wars, it's slicing. So they could easily get away with just saying, we got, we sliced this guy because he was a slicer. Yeah, you get it? Yeah. He tried to say no slicing, but we were like, not hearing that. Uh, we're all about the slicing. Yeah, slicer but- some slicing. <laughs> so, so uh, basically, Ismash is another character being taken off the board. And... Maul has almost no reaction. He's just kind of like, okay, uh, so you did murder this guy and you talked about Radik. Hey, is he here with you? Can I can I talk to Radik? Is he here? And I love that yeah. hanging upside down, his arms and legs completely spread by cables, being shown a dead guy with circuit boards in his eyes. And he's like, hey, is Radik here? Can I get a minute? <laughs> I want to give him a firm handshake. And ask if he remembers when I applied for the job last week. Uh, uh. That's the only way that I can possibly get ahead in life. I'm wearing a good suit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Got my watch on. My dad sent me here. Uh, but basically, instead, what's happening is uh, <laughs> be, uh, we, we get to meet another character, is what actually happens. Uh, right away, behind Zero, uh, Maul starts to make out an additional person in the room, and it's a weak way. He's like, okay, I can tell it's a weak way because he's got that, you know, big leathery face that weak way. He's got have. that weak way face. He's got a weak way face. I'm trying to remember if weak which one weak way is. I think that I think they're yeah, they got the the, the spikes on their cheeks. Yeah, they got they got kind of spiked Ugly. out faces in general. Yeah, they're kind of spikety. There's a couple different kinds of them, but yeah, mostly they're spikety guys with their their nose looks like bulldog lip flaps. Ah, ah. Uh, and, oh, man, and, uh, that is but, my favorite baseball player. <laughs> the bulldog lip flaps. Bulldog also a good name flaps. for a team, if only. The... <laughs> well, I know you're a patron of baseball. Maybe you can put that in the recommendation listing. Oh, 100%. My next recommendation is going to be like, all right, I'd like to add the name lip flaps to the uh, roster. Oh, lip flaps, not just bulldog lip flaps? Oh, you can only give them one word at a time. Well, lip flaps is one word if you don't put a space in it. Yeah, that's why I would give them that. <laughs> oh, 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 I see. You can only, you can literally just recommend a single word. Yes. Can you tell them if you want it to be a first or last name? Uh, I have, but I don't know if they care. Oh. I haven't <laughs> seen any of my suggestions come up yet, so... Well, I mean, there's probably, what, tens of thousands of patrons, so you're you're in quite a long line. I mean, I assume not that many, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, this week, way he notices when he says something, he's just sort of like, real shame, Jagannath, or something like that. But when he looks up, there's a week way back there, and he's got one of those claw birds on his shoulder. Yeah, he got a little, a little bird on him. And so Maul essentially goes, all right. This is a dude I've seen before. Mm-hmm. I remember way back in the first chapters when I was scanning the hall and I was like, all right, we got some gang members and some gang members and a father-son duo. 
There's a weak way over there that isn't doing anything. And now we finally come back to Chekhov's weak way. And here mm-hmm. he is. Here he is in the flesh. He doesn't say much. He pretty much just once one time says, I'm extra disappointed in you, Jagannath. Repercussions, Jagannath. That's right. Repercussions. And then the two of them turn to leave, basically saying, sorry, you're going to be dead and we're going to you're going to be have your body found next to Ismash's body. And that's just the way things go. Just so you know, before we kill you, you've really caused us a giant pain in the ass. It's going to take forever to pay off all the deals and get things stabilized again. So God damn it. And, you know, it's just business. Nothing personal. You know. Mm-hmm. Bye. And they flip a little Bye. switch. And it starts the rack up, essentially. The cables that he are, his arms and legs are attached to begin slowly pulling in opposite directions. And Oh, no. Maul's going to be drawn and quartered. When I say slowly, god damn are they moving slowly. Because he's got time to just hang out and think about things, look around, reminisce. Oh, yeah. I mean, it goes on for quite some time. Uh, he basically turns around to look at Art again. He's He's got some time where he's like, I wonder if I should just go ahead, especially because at a certain point, it's already hurting when he when by the time those guys are out of the room. Like, it's already causing him to scream in pain and, and just, well, of course, he's Darth Maul, so he doesn't scream in the slightest. But recoil in pain, uh, start going, maybe I could just use the Force this one time. Oh, no, hold on. I have to remember an entire speech Darth Sidious gave me once. I love this speech particularly because it's just Sidious being like, yeah, we suffer. And so, you know, those those moments and we we see who we really are and fucking torture builds character. Anyway, I'm out. And I got to say, this speech did not feel like a Darth Ma- or Darth Sidious speech in the slightest. No, the reason I loved it is because I'm like, when the fuck did you have anything like that? And it was like, oh, yeah, we have everything stripped from us and we're in intolerable suffering. And that's when we know who we are. And I'm like, you pampered little baby man. When have you ever had that? Exactly. I mean, he started out as a senator. Like he was, he was a well-off rich guy senator from a rich people planet, basically planet Tuscany. And it's somewhere in there. He decided to be evil, just sort of his own volition because he was a shit. And then he switched from doing that to being a more important person, which he currently is as of this story. Oh yeah. It's just so fucking stupid that, I mean, I can understand him giving the speech, but man, the mm-hmm. fact that Maul just eats it up where he's like, ah, oh, yes, clearly this <laughs> silver spoon motherfucker knows all about what it means to truly suffer. So I should as well. Yeah, it, um, this is the one thing. Ordinarily, the way this book is written, I'm like a huge Darth Maul fan, right? Because he's straightforward. He just pushes ahead with the story. Yeah, they kind of write him as an invincible sword badass, but... Still, it, I appreciate his directness compared to other Star Wars characters, but God, he's like one of those people that bought the uh, the K- Kid Rock is actually an authentic from the ground rapper kind of situation. Like, and he's completely devoted to it. He, he, where you know, if you know that Kid Rock grew up on a in a uh, mansion that had more than one tennis court and also more than one horse stable. Then you're like, okay, that that fucker's been lying to people for years, pretending to be some sort of super important or, or uh, from the streets self-made man. But this guy's buying it from Darth Sidious. He's just like, yeah, this guy did everything I want to do. When was he ever in pain? Yeah, it is. 
reading that speech in the middle of this chapter, I was like, oh, oh, that's horseshit. 100%. It's smoke up his ass. Yeah. It's just smoke being blown up Darth Maul's ass. And boy, is he ever biting it. Oh, yeah. He has had the entire pitcher of Kool-Aid. Yeah. It's the weirdest little aspect of this character. I always kind of expected that Darth Maul basically would know that Darth Sidious was a pampered rich kid who didn't really, like, you're not going to get any lessons on warrior school from him, but he is a better force user than I am. And so for now, because there's always two, I'll be the two. Oh, yeah. You're like, you know, you go to Sidious for lessons in how do I be conniving and how do I use the force real good? You do not go to Sidious for lessons in how to be a super badass that withstands pain of life. Yeah, but apparently he's just a total lifer, and it's just the weirdest aspect of his personality. Anyway, he gives this long, he gets this long speech in his head from Darth Sidious about how pain is the true instructor, and how when we're on the edge of oblivion from pain, that's when we unlock our truest abilities. Yeah. And, and uh, we also have Ardigan in here, who is just completely feverish and messed up and is just sort of mumbling about nonsense for Radik. And we find out that he was in the Bandogora, and that's yep, who he saved Radik from. Yeah, and he was a member of the Bandogora, so he, he abandoned his own cause to save Radik. Yes. And uh, we don't know what the Bandogora is yet, but we will by the end of this set of chapters. Oh, yeah. I mean, he does at least mutter, all hail the skull. And I'm like, great, cool. So you were in Hydra? <laughs> or he was just a devotee of corn. <laughs> One or the other. Delicious uh, corn. <laughs> and Maul's like, all right, so you were a member of Bandogora? Oh, that's perfect. Because the other thing we're going to learn as we're making our way through this set of chapters is Bandogora is a big reason why Darth Maul is here at all. Apparently. It's not, it's not a coincidence that that cult gets mentioned. Oh, it might be. But to him, it's an extremely useful coincidence. Yeah. He's here <laughs> to help the Bandogora on behalf of Darth Sidious. Crazy coincidence. But the, uh, <laughs> the, the annoying thing about this chapter is, of course... You know, Maul has to get out of his ridiculous bindings because he's Darth Maul. He doesn't get, you know, ripped apart now. Yeah. And but, of course, in his head, he's like, I could just use the force to break this. This would not be a problem. No, but he can't because of Sidious. So yep. I hate this because every other time we've had Maul has to overcome something without using the force and it's ridiculously difficult. He's had to do something crazy or oh man, he has to like really suck up the pain and do whatever. And in this one, he just kind of jerks his arm real hard and it makes the binding come loose. And you're like, oh, okay. I guess they didn't try real hard to keep you in here because all you had to no, do was go. True. Yeah, the, he does this thing where he uh, dislocates his shoulder, which gives him exactly enough uh, loose line to then yank his arm real hard and just pull it out of the thing. And then he, he does, he doesn't even have to do the same thing with his other arm. He just reaches over and kind of unclasps his other arm, then slams himself down onto the ground to relocate his shoulder. Yeah. He just manages to be like, oh, I pulled real hard and that, <laughs> that got me out. Okay, sure. Well, you know, he's real strong. But it's just <laughs> so pointless to be like, ah, we've, I know. we've trapped you in this and you will die. What if I 
try to get out? Oh no, how could you? <laughs> Never before have one of the inmates that we've killed tried to get out. Ugh. I mean, if you look at it, they haven't really needed to control their position all that strongly in quite some time before Darth Maul arrives. Uh, we notice that, I mean, Ismash is not a hard person to catch and kill. He's just like a slicer rat man. Yeah, so he's that just was a guy. an easy hit job. Yeah. Uh, and they didn't take Artigan until he was legless and dying anyway. I mean, so it could literally be that they're just out of practice in, in revenge murder. I mean, that or they've really gotten into the idea of the James Bond level of killing people because they're like, oh, this dude, the random slicer, well, we straight up murdered him and shoved circuit boards into his eyes and like watched it happen. But with mm. Maul, we're going to set up a death trap and then leave. What could possibly go wrong? And it's not just that. That's the other funny thing about it. It's not just that Maul sets up, a, or they, they could just kill Maul and leave. They're leaving Artigan in here to die with him. And uh, Artigan's the one who knows anything. Uh, like, killing Ismash was pure revenge motivation murder just to sort of get rid of a loose end. Artigan's the one who actually knows Radik. Yes. And again, so just then they letting leave. him burn out on fever craziness. Yeah, it's just a, it's a weird, weird decision. And it's going to come back to bite them. Maybe it won't. Maybe it turns out that Zero is actually an inside job and he expected Maul to escape. I don't know. Wheels within wheels. I mean, the book's only about halfway done. Yeah. Now, there's a lot more twists and turns to come, is my guess. When Maul gets out, he assumes that the weak way is Iram Radik mm -hmm. for some reason. Well, because he's got the clawbird on him and the trained clawbirds that retrieve weapon parts is apparently uh, Radik's big MO. So I don't think that the weak way is, is Radik either. I think he's a fake Radik, but I, I can see where he'd be making that conclusion. Yeah, but meh. Now he has to one last time try to be like, Artigan, please, for the love of God, just fucking tell me stuff. And he's like, no, I can only, only tell, tell Owen. <laughs> Fuck you, old man. Oh, you're not wrong. You are not wrong indeed. Uh, so he's just like, ah, fuck it, fine. And he breaks the restraints around Ar uh, Artigan and hoists him over his shoulder, who's just like, ow, God, I'm trying to die here. And he's like, yeah, don't. We have stuff to do. Yeah, nah, you need to hold on until I can get you to Owen so you can actually say some shit. Yeah, I don't care if it's your last words, but that's the way this goes down. You don't get to talk to, you don't get to talk to Owen, or you, <laughs> you don't get to die until you tell me what I need to know. But we will see that later, because first we got to see the warden, old Sadiq. Yeah, hanging out with 3D, her uh, her droid. And the two of them are actively looking for Daiquiri, who has vanished recently. Yes. So one more. I feel like it's a good thing that he's putting out a lot of red herrings for the Radik thing, because he's got the weak way that might be. He's got zero that might be, and, mm -hmm. you know, now Coil. we can't find uh, Daiquiri anywhere, so he might be. Yeah, no, there's plenty of people who could potentially be uh, Iron Radik. I still think it might be Coil, uh, which would be my favorite thing. Uh, I mean... If literally the, f the first person Darth Maul talked to in the prison turned out to be the guy he was looking for. Oh, yeah. It'd be great if he was like, oh, I talked to some guy and it was the person I needed. And then I just fucked around for like 87 chapters. <laughs> Got so beat up and I could have just been like, hey, man, I want you to sell the thing to these people. Hey, great. Thanks. 
Uh, so yeah, there's a whole lot of red herrings going, but Daiquiri is not in his, the command center, which is where he would almost always be, and he's also not in his quarters, which is a total uh, not him sort of thing to be doing. Oh yeah, I mean, he's the type of person that you think is like, oh, this guy, if he's not asleep, he is sitting in front of his computer and, I don't know, relishing Mathing. the math of it all. Yeah, so this is a this is a real problem. So she's put him on uh, the task of fi- put 3D on the task of finding Daiquiri at any cost. Meanwhile, she's had several of her guards rounded up, and they are hanging out in a ready room, not in uniform, uh, with just some drinks. And yeah, I, the idea is that she's ordered an impromptu meeting. These are a group of off duties that uh, she's got nine of them in there, which includes mm-hmm. our boy Smite. Uh, yep, Smite's in there. And she's just sort of fucking with him at this point, because she's like, well, I told him we were going to meet, and I'm going to be late, uh, and also I want you to turn the temperature up by, like, five degrees. I just want to make it as uncomfortable for them as possible, because I'm doing standard interrogation techniques. Yeah, yeah. And uh, meanwhile, as she's getting ready to go in there and do whatever she's going to be doing with them, she's also trying to prep for the next fight. Oh, yeah. And 3D is like, uh, weren't we shut down? And Sneaky's like, no, fuck that. We already have, like, millions of credits that have been put down for the next bout. I don't care if the Gaming Commission says I can't run. They can find me. Yeah, exactly. She's like, Dragomir's not going to do anything real. He'll find me, and we'll pay the fine, because we're going to make hand- money hand over fist on this next fight. We cannot lose momentum right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, every gambler out there doesn't give a shit what the gaming commission says. They want to bet on fights. We are allowing them to bet on fights. So as she's basically expel or, or expounding the the uh, belief that there is no weird way that Chloris actually does anything real, uh, she's surprisingly backed up by none other than Vesto Slifer, otherwise known as Darth Plagueis's man on the inside, who is still hanging around because he has to. Oh yeah, and she's even like, "Wow, I would have thought you'd be, you know, gone by now." And he's like, "Oh, I would be if it were up to me, because fuck this place and everyone in it." But my employer wants to make sure that, you know, the gaming council doesn't actually shut you down. Yeah, because he's the the IBC has a vested interest in keeping this place up and running. And she's like, how'd you even get in here? And he's like, oh, please, I have I have a secret security access to every facility that's a subsidiary of my employer. And you know that it's weird that you would pretend you don't know that. <laughs> and even then, she's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <right>. Fine. <laughs> Can I tell you something that that uh, I, I watch a lot of like science crap on YouTube to pass the time these days, and Vesto Sliffer's name came up ah. because he's and this is the funny thing uh, they didn't change his name even a little bit. Vesto Sliffer was an American astronomer. They just the, the author just straight up took the name of a real American astronomer and was like, ah, screw it. He's the name of this big moon in my Star Wars book. That's great because you know it sounds like an alien name, so sure, whatever. Yeah, but the dude was born in Indiana. Vesto Sliffer was the guy who more or less paved the way for the discovery of uh, the expansion of the universe, because he was the first person to prove that distant galaxies are redshifting at a constant pace. Oh, so, so he, was he was really like behind the expanded universe? Yeah, one could say he's behind the expanded universe. And doesn't that just make you think? <laughs> 
<laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah, I've never, I've never heard of this guy. I've heard of a lot of astronomers, but not this guy. But d- damn, that's a that's a bold poll to just be like, that guy's name sounds Star Wars. Put him in. Oh yeah, I mean, if you had told me, hey, the name Vesto Slipher, where do you think that's from? I'd be like, I mean, that's got to be some Star Wars shit, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's great, but you no, know, he's just some random dude from Indiana. Great. And- so uh, anyway, back to it. Yeah, he checks in on her, and she's she's like, well, you know, whatever. I'm glad you're still here, because, you know, I'm, I'm glad I have the backing of the IBC, but I gotta go see some guards about a thing, because, you know, we found out last episode or so that, oh, the Jabba's infiltrated your shit! So she's right. like, and all right, she I gotta go want- see about that. <laughs> Yeah, but she doesn't tell him that because, you know, he represents the IBC, investors in her business. She doesn't want th- them to be, like, uh, uh, up to date on the idea that there is a uh, assassin squad infiltrating her business as prison guards. Oh, yeah. So instead, she's just like, I got stuff to do. Uh, 3D, you should probably come with me. And then the two of them just leave and leave Slipher in the, in the command center because, fuck it, what's he going to do? But before they leave... She taps out a little thing on her command console and begins to rearrange the prison, even though it's not bout time. Like, it's another <laughs> oh, two hours right. until yeah. a fight, but she's like, beep boop, I'm going to rearrange things real quick, because I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's just like, yeah, I literally have to rearrange some stuff, so uh, I'm going to do it. It's one of the benefits of my prison, being modular. Uh, so that's but we don't know exactly what she's rearranging or why until the next chapter at which point we discover about half of it well yeah we get uh vaz nailhead our old leader of the uh bone kings who now that he i mean he didn't get shunted down the ladder like strabo did strabo basically became like a gopher for ismash and just sort of lost all of his standing in the gravity massive nailhead is still technically in charge of the bone kings but because jagannath slash maul is actually in charge of both of them he's just sad and depressed about the whole thing yeah no he didn't he didn't even get like a little gopher job he just got left to rot and we get a little moment of vast nailhead examining his life crisis at the moment he's like oh i'm still a murderous cannibal prisoner but there's not as much spice in it as there used to be i mean i, I still should probably write flesh, to dear abby but it's just not as fun <laughs> as it used to be oh dear ann landers how can i spice up cannibalism again <laughs> have you tried paprika <laughs> Uh, and, and he's just like, yeah, so I, I don't know. I've kind of become depressed. I spend all my time in my quarters reading old fan mail and thinking about the old country. Meh. Yeah. Uh, I've got all of these like endorsement offers and shit. And I can just keep thinking about the family I left behind. And oh man, is it actually worth it to be a cannibal murderer or should I go home and, I don't know, be a cannibal farmer? I don't know. <laughs> and that's when he notices just what, it's really obvious in the prison, because the prison is noisy whenever it's being rearranged. The prison's being rearranged. Oh, yeah. And he was like, oh, did I just sleep through the alarm for the next bout? I mean, it's happened before. You never know. 
Uh, yeah, got to be real lucky if he manages to sleep through it and it's not his turn to fight. There's also a point, by the way, where he's kind of hoping that one of these days he gets paired against one of the people in his own gang because at least it would be different. Oh, yeah. He's like, you know, maybe if I get paired up against someone in my own gang, I can be, you know, I can show them my own strength and mix things up a little. Or maybe if I get, you know, put up against Jagannath and win, then maybe I'll give a shit about life again. Mm hmm. So that's all very fun. But anyway, he's like, shit, did I just sleep through one of these? And that's when he notices that there's actually a door, like part of his wall is missing and Strabo's in there with him. Yeah. He's like, hey, Nailhead. And Strabo and a bunch of different members of both both gangs, both the Bone Kings and the Gravity Massive come through. And he's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, because ordinarily he'd be scared to just see Strabo showing up in his in his building because they're going to rumble, but it's not that, because Strabo's just like, hey, man, have you noticed that things just aren't like they used to be ever since Jagannath take, took over? Doesn't that piss you off? Aren't you tired of being nice? <laughs> uh, So, yeah, Strabo's and- like, well, <laughs> someone let us out, reconfigured ourselves, and opened a back passageway for us to go through, and to somewhere they don't know where but they're like well whatever it is we're gonna go murder what's ever on the other end of it you want to come with i'm just bored feel like doing a murder and want to go for a walk and hey look i brought an extra sharpened femur with me huh all right sure so you in i mean do you have a plan i have a weapon i like that line do you have a plan i have a weapon it was a good line (laughs) <laughs> because yeah while the uh while the bone kings of course fight with sharpened bones gravity massive apparently fights with like darts and lengths of cable yeah i guess just like they take like cables and whatnot and put weapons on them like i don't know what the hell their deal is they've got like whips with spikes on them i think yeah, something like that. But basically, Strabo has already kind of put two and two together and come up with not quite four, because he's like, so here's what I think is happening. I think whoever opened up these passageways knows that we're real grumpy about this Jagannath guy and wants us to solve the problem, <laughs> which is based on nothing, uh, but it doesn't matter because everyone, everyone there is on board with this, and they think they're going to take this back passage to Jagannath and kick his ass. Yeah. And, I mean, Strabo's even like, I mean, the worst thing that happens is we walk around for a few hours. There's worse ways to spend a, cu- a couple hours of time. So, uh, you want to come? What? He's like, yeah, fuck it, yeah. why not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so that's pretty much that. That's the whole chapter for the most part. They just agree to go murder who's on the other end of some tunnel. They're like, oh boy, the prison reconfigured so we can walk through a tunnel. Let's go kick the ass of whoever's on the other side of it. And everyone is like, <laughs> Yeah, all right, I'm on board with that. That sounds fun. I mean, they were violent gangs. I guess I get it. Yeah, I just enjoy that none of them are like, no, nah, maybe this is a trap of some kind, or, you know, maybe maybe I don't want to go walking through a weird passageway in case the clarion goes off and we have to get back and I can't. Instead, all of them are on board for a walkabout and maybe an ass beating. Geez, what would happen if the alarm went off and they were still like they get ground up in the machinery or something? That wouldn't be great. Oh, yeah. I'm like, mm, I don't know about that one. <laughs> y'all have fun. Y'all y'all do you. I'm going to hang out and, and be a sad boy. But then again, that's my M.O., not Nailhead. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. Nailhead is definitely a 
happy cannibal murderer when he's given the opportunity. Oh, yeah. I mean, if it was me, I'd be like, nah, I'm going to gonna hang out in my room and, you know, s- silently wait for death. <laughs> so that's what's going on with the, with uh, Gravity Massive and the Bone Kings. Meanwhile, the next chapter opens with my favorite sentence in the book so far. I think it's just, the fat guard's name was Hootkins. Yep. And Smite could already smell him starting to sweat. I love you, Ah, good old fat jokes. <laughs> uh, Welcome to the party, Hootkins. You're going to do really well next to Porky- Porkins, who I assume is like a, a distant cousin. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and Hootkins is chugging a delicious beverage known as Rancor Aid. Yes, because... I assume that most of the people in here are fucking hungover and they have Rancor yeah, probably, Aid yeah. instead of, you know, Gatorade. Get yeah, it? because Rancors are kind of like space gators. Uh, Rancor Aid. Huh? Do uh, you, can you put up, pick up what we're putting down here? It's because Rancors have big, scary mouths. So it's weird that the, the drink is named after alligators. Why is, oh, right, because it was invented in Florida for that football team? Yes, for the Gators. So, you know, it made sense here. I mean, <laughs> hell, maybe in Star Wars, Rancor Aid was made to help out some space ball team <laughs> called the Rancors. I don't hey, know. Hey, John, spoiler alert. I looked it up because I was kind of hoping it could be a, a, a bonus content. And it's a one-sentence entry that says it was invented by Dathomirian Night Sister Slaves. And it's made out of pressed Rancor skin. And uh, it's used to rejuvenate uh, Dathomirians after rituals. Wow. It was not long enough for an, a bonus content, so I'll just tell you now that someone did stat it out. It's in some atlas plus this book. Aw. But if you want to find out what we are doing for bonus content, mm-hmm. you can go to patreon.com slash system mastery, support us at the $2 level, and you'll get what we're actually going to do for bonus content in expanded expounded universe. That's right. It's a great value and a great deal. And they, that was a little tiny preview, not a big enough article. We got to find bigger articles than that one. Oh yeah. I got big articles and they're just dangling. Mm-hmm. Still though, uh, invented by Dathomirian slaves out of Rancor, which is the weirdest thing because if there's anything we've learned about Rancors, it's the, or, or is that they're sentient yes. and that the, the, uh, the folks on Dathomir knew that, so it's weird that you'd be like, well, we'll just take them and make, you know, skin juice. I mean, maybe they molt. I don't know. <laughs> it's a good point. It's a good point you made there. <laughs> That's what I do. I make good points. So Hootkins. Hootkins is starting to sweat. Yeah. And he's there's a whole bunch of people. In, well, there's nine guys in here. We're, we're going to primarily stick to the point of view of Smite who notices Hootkins and next to Hootkins, what's his name, Logovic? Yeah. Who is apparently a, 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 a like a steroid abuser. Yeah, they've got, most of the people are on the same shift. So these are all people mm-hmm. that Smite has worked with. So he's like, okay, I know basically all of these guys. I'm starting to learn the names of some of the other ones. And oh, they don't, they don't give me the time of day yet, but ooh, soon. And by that, I mean soon I'll sell them some of my glitter stim. Yeah, because he smuggled glitter stim in. We only get the barest hint here that he has been participating in uh, extrajudicial or out of the uh, the like responsibilities of his guard jobs. He doesn't mention the huts in his own mind at all. No, but he we do get 
I had been mentioning this before about uh, when Maul was talking about Smite being on Glitter Stim and that, you know, the fact that it makes you kind of telepathic should have made him really be like, ooh, this guy's going to kick my ass. And he does say, you know, you get a confidence high and a telepathic boost. Mm-hmm. And he has the weirdest metaphor. He says it's like someone stuck a lightsaber up his nose and turned it on. Well, an invisible saber had been drawn oh, oh, from its scabbard. You don't put a <laughs> lightsaber in a scabbard. That would be an interesting thing. I bet you'll see that at some point. Nah. That'll be the latest iteration of sword crap that they try to affix to lightsabers, like the uh, the hilt that they gave to Kylo Ren. They'll we'll have someone who has one who to never turns sword stuff. <laughs> the next guy will never turn his lightsaber off. Instead, he'll put it in a scabbard. Oh well, yeah, this scabbard is specially made to not be affected by lightsaber hits. And well, it's made of cortosis. That's the standard way you do that. And I've decided that instead of turning my lightsaber off, I will always leave it on inside of this thing. You know, you actually waste power when you flick light switches on and off. It's the same with lightsabers. I'm very intelligent. Uh, and also, I need a scabbard because I believe in the knights of old. That's why I have a light shield as well. Mm. That's going to be the character. <laughs> anyway, uh, what were we doing? Oh, He's Smite? all high on spice. Yeah, Smite loves spice. And he is like, mm -hmm. boy, do I love being high and tripping balls. It's my favorite thing to do. And I may even be able to make some friends because I could sell a little bit of what I use to some of the other guys here. Right. And he is clearly high. Like, uh, the moment he starts talking, everyone else is like, ugh, shut up. Because <laughs> he's, he's clearly invisibly high. So there's a point where he's just like, he can't stop drumming on the table. And he's just like, hey, Hootkins, hey, 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 what do you think we're doing? What do you think we're doing in here? What's the point of this? And Hootkins is just like, shut up. Shut the fuck up. I and don't like, want oh, to talk to you. What's going on? What's happening? Huh? What's what's now? What's who? What's what's here? What's what's the deal? What's the buzz? Tell what's me what's noise? happening. What's the noise going on? And he's just like the warden is reconfiguring. Uh, she now does we that don't have sometimes. another fight it, scheduled. But that's that's weird, huh? You want to check out my watch? Look at my watch. My watch is pretty cool. I should buy a boat. <laughs> I have a great idea for a restaurant. Oh, I can tell you don't care. I'm going to keep going though. <laughs> and that is when so, the warden uh, actually shows up. Yeah. The warden pops in and, you know, I, I feel like uh, maybe it's just because I have some genre savvy in, in me and these guards don't because they live inside of an actual genre uh, that if I were put in a hot room and told to wait for the the warden and she showed up with her droid was like, gentlemen, I'd be like, ah, fuck, one of us is definitely dying here. Oh, yeah. One or more of us is for sure about to be murdered. But their response is just like, eh, uh, hey, and like, eh, just kind of uh, be like eh, half salute. Hey, what's going on? And uh, I'm sure I like you're how all Smite wondering in his head is like, here. no, not really. Yeah, but okay. Nah, but we're wondering why we have to be here. Is that the same thing? <laughs> Except Smite. Smite's in there being like, apparently, a lot of the guards think this lady's attractive. I don't. I don't. the The drug makes me not care about sex at all. It's great. It's great. It's great. I don't care about sex. It's great. Yeah, it's like I don't even have a dick at all. It's so good. I love it. I love it. I love spice. I finally got rid of that awful thing between my legs. <laughs> that hideous thing. Uh. <laughs> so he's in, in there just sort of generically critiquing Sadiki's appearance, which I don't know that we've really gotten much. Uh, maybe way back in like chapter one or two, there was a point where they were like, 
Oh, yeah, of course she's good looking. She's a lady in Star Wars. Yeah, you're not allowed to be an ugly woman in Star Wars unless you're evil. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to get enough here to recognize that at least Jabba thinks she's hot, but I think I think Jabba thought Yarno Del Gargan was hot, too, so we just know he can get it. He just likes things with legs. Oh, Jabba is not a discerning gentleman when it comes to who he wants as a slave. He's just like, yeah. yo, are you a lady I can humiliate? Fabulous. But sorry... Sorry for the spoiler alert. Uh, what happens immediately is she's like, gentlemen, why don't you all stand on the edges of the room instead of in the middle and we'll get this underway. And they're like, wait, what? What the fuck? And honestly, if I lived in a modular prison, I'd be terrified of that line as well. Oh, Anytime I thought that for the sure that when she yeah. said that it was going to open up and then the fucking gravity massive and bone kings were going to come out and murder all of them. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. That is not where this goes. But basically, if I lived in a modular prison, every time the person in charge of the modularity of the prison was like, hey, why don't you just stand three feet to your left? I'd be like, oh, fuck. Oh, no. <laughs> like like every, every, every time. Everything but in this all prison just, is uh, a trapdoor. <laughs> yeah, I'd go pretty crazy living in this. But uh, they all shuffle aside. She presses some buttons and a giant holographic projector turns on. How giant? Why, it's got an entire Jabba. Yeah. She needed them to move out of the sides of the room because it takes up an entire wall just to have a hollow projector for Jabba. Mm-hmm. Jabba DeSilligit TRA, not some other hut, the original flavor Jabba. Yes, indeed. And, you know, like we mentioned, he's just like, ah, Sadiqi Blair, do you want to be a prisoner? <laughs> Yeah, because he's just like, beautiful as always. I can't do his voice. Beautiful as always, because he doesn't speak English. Do you want to be a sex slave when you're done warning that dumb prison? Oh, and she's like, that's ha, great. Ha, ha, ha. Anyway, uh, I think some of these guards are yours, so come get your boys. <laughs> I hate to interrupt, but uh, your boys are here. Because <laughs> that's literally, she's just like, I will have to decline your offer of being a slave. Anyway, I have some of your people, she says, pointing back at the guards. And that's the end of that cha- uh, of the chapter. Oh, yeah. And of course... Big moment. Uh, we do also find out that when Smite sees Jabba, he's like, oh, shit, that's the guy I work for. He is my employer. So yeah. we know Smite, <laughs> at least out of these nine, is crooked for Jabba. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas Jabba is just crooked for anything with two legs. Jabba's just crooked just and hangs thing. to the left a little. <laughs> Other huts are like, what the hell, man? You're one of them leg chasers. <laughs> Other huts my age. Me. <laughs> well, I mean, other huts are into huts. He's the only one who's like, like, ha yes, anyone with a pelvis. <laughs> That's my jam. I like anything that can, you know, be called pedal in any sort of fashion. <laughs> My one leg goes all the way down. <laughs> all right. So uh, the next chapter, the final chapter that we have to cover today, called What the Fever Said, What the Fever Said, Running Through My Head. Thank you. Sorry. I don't know why. I'm... That's the whole joke. That's the uh, whole anyway. joke. Guys, do you remember <laughs> back in... Do you remember Tattoo? Back in about 2000, Tattoo, <laughs> the fake lesbian <laughs> Russian band, huh? And it was the thing where being fake lesbians was actually like a whole part of their their genre, uh, that they were that they were like lesbian baiting or something. But it, it was the weirdest thing. It was the weirdest moment in music history. Yeah, two thousand. That said, that Who song. Knew? Yeah, that song. Pretty stylish. I was into it. Oh yeah. 
I think that's the weirdest fake out. I mean, there's a couple of great musical history fake outs. You've got that one. You've got the one where Jack White was pretending to be the brother of his wife for like five years. Hmm. Or is that how it worked? I don't remember how that one worked. I don't know. I don't know shit. Yeah, I don't remember now either. I forget. I can't. I don't even remember if it's Jack White. I don't know what I'm talking about. And then Millie Vanilli. That's the easier one to go over. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, yeah, it was Meg White. That's right. She they they were like fake brother and sister, and it turned out they were actually married. Huh. It was a whole thing. Plus, of course, the famous legacy of Chris Gaines. The famous the, legacy. The greatest. The greatest fake out in music history. Chris Gaines, actually Garth Brooks, pretending to be a regular pop-style goth singer to confuse and fool the masses, and boy, did it ever work, because his little tiny soul patch and his emo hair were so convincing. It's true. I never knew who that was. My goodness. It was impossible to tell. You'd have to pull his mask off and understand why he was haunting an amusement park. Anyway, back to the story at hand. Uh, We're off with Owen now, and he's doing push-ups, because... He thinks he might need to get ready to fight finally. But even then, he's like, oh, no. As soon as the rumble starts happening, because, you know, the prison is getting reconfigured, he's like, oh, shit. Oh, no. Oh, God, I'm not ready. I'm going to die. I thought I'd have a little more time, and I don't. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. But lucky for him, the the reconfiguration goes through all of its paces and stops, and he's like, okay, I didn't get dumped into a fight against a horrible monster or something. I mean, I assume all of the fights we've seen so far have been against horrible monsters. Presumably, sometimes the prisoners just fight other prisoners. You'd think that. Yeah. Well, I guess that's not fair to Rook. He was a perfectly fine and and, uh, well-spoken Aqualish. A perfectly normal prisoner. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, here comes old Jagannath, and he's got what looks like a bag of laundry, but is, in fact, this guy's dying father. Yeah, and he's like, what the hell did you do to him? And he's like, oh, I didn't do anything. I found him like this. I <laughs> I just found a dude with no legs. You want him? Yeah, this chapter has got to be the most vocal that Darth Maul ever has been. Because he immediately answers, he's like, I didn't do anything to him. He's got blood poisoning. I found him all fucked up. Look, here's the deal. I need you to ask him some questions because he'll only answer questions from you. He was a member of a super secret blood cult called the Golan Labus or the whatever. The Gora. Yeah, uh-huh. The Golan Globus. I got it. <laughs> the Golden uh, the Globes. Bando- <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Bandogora, uh, the Band of Blades, uh, and and uh, you will need to ask him about that. And Owen, of course, is like, my dad wasn't in a cult. That's stupid. He would never be in a Which- blood cult. And then immediately he just goes, oh, flay the skin, drink the blood, all hail the skull. And you're like, oh, haha, yeah, he would. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> the very fast chapter though, because Maul's just like, look, I need you to get him to tell me some stuff. And, uh, Owen's like, okay, I'll do it. But what if I'm forced to fight? What's going to happen then? And Maul's like, you'll die. That's why I need you to hurry. <laughs> yeah. I want you to find this out before you die because you are a baby boy. <laughs> I love this part where Maul is brutally honest, but like too brutally honest. Cause he's just like. You're never, even right now, with your father dying of blood poisoning on the ground, rambling and unable to move by himself, he would still beat you in a fight. You You are are not not a man. You are not half the man that your dad is, even now. Yeah, which is so mean, but I I keep assuming there's got to be shittier prisoners in here than Owen. Eh, maybe. Like, he's 
What if I'm forced to fight? Well, if you're lucky, you'll be forced to fight your dad in his current state. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you'll <laughs> fight Coil or something. He seems like a little dude. <laughs> you're going to beat up this little Chadra fan. Hello there. You're going to kill me, aren't you? I except that since I'm still pretty sure that Coil is actually Iram Radik, I think he'd murder him immediately. <laughs> I like that Owen, even in this, is still being just as weirdly obtuse as he was last time when Maul was trying mm-hmm. to get him to answer stuff. Because he's like, hey, I need you to ask about Iram Radik and the Bandogora. Well, I don't know who those. L- Shut up. Just ask them. I've never heard of the band. Jesus Christ, it's a death cult. Ask him about Radik. Well, my dad wouldn't join a death cult. You know, he doesn't. And you're like, oh my God, Owen, just say the, the words. <laughs> He's the only person left in this prison who hasn't somehow realized how dangerous Darth Maul is. Oh, yeah. He's just like, but uh, I don't know about just off. And <laughs> Maul's like, why are you the worst? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So finally, he's just like, look, you better hurry and ask him these questions because, yeah, you're probably going to die if you're forced to fight. But then again, I don't think anyone wants to pay a lot of money to bet that you'll get your ass kicked. So you probably have a little bit of lifespan. <laughs> like, you're not a useful prisoner for the fight. You're, I imagine, personally, I don't think he's going to show up until they do some big group fight event. Some oh, sure. rumble in the cage 25 kind of thing where they're like, well, ah. we need a bunch of random schmoes like jobbers to get murdered early. Uh, yeah. And we got a rancor and we needed to kill 12 guys at once. Ah. Uh, so, uh, as mentioned earlier, the band Ogora is who, uh, Maul wants to have Radik give his nuke to. And crazily enough, he explains it to Owen. I couldn't believe that when he was like, he was like, your father's a member of the Bando Gora. That's who I'm here to help. That is my mission. And yeah, as John just mentioned, it, uh, it, it's a surprising twist. The thing that, that Iram Radik has is a nuke. Oh, yeah. He's got some sort of nuclear weapon. And he's like, I want Iram to give it to the Bando Gora because that's going to cause the most chaos, which is what we're all about. And Artigan's like, no, he'll never do business with the Gora. Never. Yeah. Uh, but, but again, and I can't stress this enough, if this is Star Wars, and the weapon of in question, the thing that everyone wants so desperately, it's not a planet-destroying turbo laser, it's not a, a super virus that turns everyone into droids, it's not a force prism, it's a nuke. He just has a fucking nuclear bomb. Yeah, which I love. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. that it wasn't like, ooh, he's got, like, the Millennium Darkness, and if he unleashes it, it will turn a planet into poop. He's like, oh, no, he's got a nuke, and he'll nuke something. That's what we want. <laughs> yeah, I was I was thrilled to see that come across. Uh, unfortunately, when he questions Artigan, Owen gets some boring answers instead of good shit. Because he's just like, ask him about Iram Radik. And, and uh, <laughs> he kind of just goes, bah, 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 bah. and Jagannath has to be like, what did he say? What the fuck was that? He said zero. Zero? Fuck, I don't want to know about zero. We already know about zero. Everyone knows about zero. What about him? And then, uh, <laughs> without even getting more information, he, Owen just goes, he says he also goes by another name. Yes, Billy. So does that mean, 
Does that mean Zero is Iron Radik? It certainly means it's a great red herring for that. Yeah, it certainly means we are going to keep everyone on the edge of their seat on this Iron Radik thing, because that's where the chapter ends and we get no conclusion to it. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think that's probably what we're supposed to think, but I'm actually kind of hoping that it turns out that Zero is, is Jabba's main on the inside, and the other name he goes by, get ready for it, John, mm. is Bib Fortuna. Blah, blah, this is back when he was young and sexy and didn't have weird turkey goiters and the uh, the skin condition where he looks like an old glow stick. Yeah, this is back when he was still hot. We're going to find out that he gets <laughs> fucked up by Maul in this book, and that's why he looks like a horrible Nosferatu. I'm almost worried that that's right, because if it is, then I'll, then I'll look like I read ahead or something. But it's just a stupid guess. <laughs> well, we're allowed to guess. It's fine. We'll never know until we keep reading chapters, which we will do every week until we're done with the book. And hey, good news. We already went through the Patreon stuff. Hell yeah. You already know that if you go to patreon.com slash system mastery and support us at the $2 level, you get our bonus content. Mm -hmm. And you also know what a great deal that is. Ooh, more information. Is if you go... To the $5 level, you unlock even more. You'll get our TV mastery where we're going through The Littlest Hobo, a ridiculous Canadian 70s TV show about a hero dog, and you get our monthly afterthought where you can talk directly to us, ask us your questions, and we'll answer. It's intimate. It's a fireside chat. Mm -hmm. We actually light fires every time we do it. Oh, yeah, obviously. If you're not Mm -hmm. lighting something on fire, it's not an afterthought. I mean, not in our house or anything like that. That'd be stupid, but we definitely both go start a fire before we start each episode of Afterthought. And of course, we have to do it randomly so that no one can tell that there's a pattern and link it back to us. (laughs) I mean, obviously, it does happen pretty much near the beginning of every month, and I feel like that might start to be noticed as a pattern. Honestly, I think the cops might be onto us. (laughs) Well, I mean... You got you got to realize that's why we don't put it out on the first of the month every month. We move it around mm-hmm. a little. Also, we announce it in our uh, ads for for uh, Afterthought, which is probably not good info, Zach. I mean, when I think about it, like this not. whole discussion, the discussion we're having right now probably is going to come back to hoist us by our petards. Nad, they can't use this in court. <laughs> I'm not even Jeff. I'm a liar. Yeah. You hear that? This is inadmissible. I do not give consent. <laughs> I do not respect your joinder. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> that's all that. Also, we ha- also we have two books. You can go buy them if you want. One of them is called Dungeon Meister, and the other is called A Dragon Walks Into a Bar. They are cocktail guides and joke books, respectively. And you can buy them anywhere. <laughs> Literally. Usually on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com are the easiest way, though. But if you go to Ikea, fuck it, find it there. Hey, like I was telling you a while back, I found one in one of those free libraries like a block from my house once. Oh, yeah. And those little, you got little libraries that people set up in their front yards. I found our book in one, and I did. I, I don't know anyone who lives near me, like at all. So it was just a, a total coincidence. Hooray! Yeah. So anyway, go forth, buy our books, support us on Patreon, and uh, have a good week, because we'll see you again with yet more exciting Star Wars content in about a week. Until then, I've been Elan Sleesbagiano. And I love Rancorade. Rancorade.